Welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream, your full spectrum source for all things music, insight, and opinion. Today is February 10th, 2020. I'm Bill, and I'm joined here today with Connor and Steve. Yo. Hello. So, has anyone encountered anything new or interesting this week? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, uh, I heard the first song they released from Local H's new album, uh, Turn the Bow, from the album Lifers, which is coming in April. I was pretty impressed with that. Recorded yeah, you by me. Uh, I, I Steve Albini. That. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's, I'm always down to hear anything new he recorded pretty much bands that choose him as their engineer uh usually are worth their salt and if he's willing to work with them too so yeah something yeah because i listened to that other song too that patrick bateman song i uh it's funny because you reminisced on the uh what bound to the floor i forgot yeah. like that yeah. was them so yeah i'm definitely gonna get on that but uh very interested in that local h album um my new thing as well uh, I actually ordered a vinyl because they took it off Apple Music, and I'm very ashamed of this, and I hope somebody hears me out there in the the waves of the universe. Um, Carcass, one of my favorite death metal bands, um, Fecal Mike, Michael Lamont, who's currently an arch enemy, for, you know, started that band pretty much, but Carcass, I ordered uh, Necroticism, um, Discanting the Insalibros, and it's not on Apple Music, but I got the vinyl, so I was really excited because I love that album, and I realized they're actually recording uh, new work and it's cool. It's like, you know, all the original guys. That's uh, awesome. The song actually that's coming out is called Under the Scalpel Blade. It's just a it's a single that dropped, but they are recording a full length album and hearing this song, it's like super like that gory death metal, like exhumed. Was like, Christopher Amat in Carcass too? Yeah, in the because they started off as like a grindcore band. Yeah. And then they changed and got a little more technical in their sound. Then they recorded like Heartwork and Swan Song. And then that's when I like, like Heartwork. Like, yeah, that's Heartwork's when my Heartwork favorite. is fucking awesome. Insane. And then when they did Swan Song, that was the huge issue. Everyone was like, yo, we're not really about this. And then he's like, fuck that. And he went and made Arch Enemy because Arch Enemy was literally like, you can hear the progression of Carcass from Swan Song to uh i believe it was black earth was the first arch enemy before stigmata and burning bridges and you can hear like that's the direction he was going and yeah now it's like he's doing stuff with carcass again which is fucking awesome that's awesome yeah um before i get my newer interesting i just want to i just want to let everyone here listening and us as of today um the date we're recording this our podcast has reached a total number of downloads of over 1,600 worldwide downloads at this point. Excellent. And this spans over multiple countries. Actually, I think out of the United States, there's only like 14 states, including Alaska, that don't listen to us. Very so good. big round of applause for Fuck everybody yeah. here. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast. I mean, it's crazy to think that when we started this, what was it? April, yeah. March of yeah. last year? That, I mean, we didn't really think anyone would listen at first, and now it's to the point where we have an actual fan base that comes through and listens. I like the idea, too, to really exemplify the fact that this is more than just listening to a couple guys talk about music and music news and opinions and shit. I mean, the opportunity, if you're in a local band and you want to just put your music just out there. Yeah, you have the opportunity. I mean, if you're not under any strict lawyers or copyright, you know, laws, and you want to put your stuff on here and you agree to it, I mean, we can put your shit out there, and it's a huge opportunity. And yeah, some of the interviews you've been doing, Bill, it's awesome too. I mean, you yeah, know, I have these guys I didn't even know about until prior, and then you get to actually hear some of these interviews, and you're like, all right, there's some shit out there that people aren't getting to see in the news every day, and exactly, you know, you're missing out on some opportunity, man. You know, I mean, it's just it's just crazy to think that you know three dudes from new jersey it's almost like a kevin smith type story but yep. like we're just three dudes in a basement that are passionate about music and it's it's just funny because 
like the chemistry that us three have, I think it's enough that people like tune in. I mean, there's people that still listen to the first episode we ever did, oh, and God. we remember how garbage that was. Yeah, yeah. Like, in you terms can just of go on YouTube and listen yeah. to the oldest episode for ten seconds, and then the newest one for ten seconds, and hear the exactly. audio quality. <laughs> it was just even funny. It's yeah, like, but even like the just, flow. No, but even just like the top, like what are we gonna talk about? Let's talk about Metallica, dude. Like <laughs> let's talk about what was the last good album? And it was like we were just like, fuck the black album, dude. <laughs> fuck it. I mean, but yeah, it's if just. I recall, I went with load. I'm you pretty did. sure you did. Yeah, yeah. I'll take load. All right, we're we, we don't want to go back to that. <laughs> I was thinking like a nom fat that's just being reminisced about Agent Orange. You talking about load? <laughs> I mean, load is a decent listen. Like once every it is. ten years, it, it really is. Load and reload. I I don't consider them horrible albums by I don't any know about means. Reload. Jesus, we can't even just stop this topic, can we? <laughs> Hey, yeah, listen, right, first yeah, episode don't... sucked. Let's revisit it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I did think about that this morning. I was like, you know, people are fucking listening to this episode. And I, I don't know if you guys had listened back to it at any time in the past like year, but it is literally so bad. Yeah. It's so bad. And it's funny because after we were done, like, dude, this is fucking awesome. This is going to be huge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it still is a very highly downloaded and listened to episode, but... Like, it, it, put it this way: at the time yeah. and point, we gave our full effort. We just, yeah. like any type of uh, you know recording opportunity, you progress and evolve. But you know, once again, we like to thank all of the listeners and everything that's making all this possible. I mean, not that we really care if people are listening because we'd still be doing this regardless. Yeah. But the fact that there is some sort of like appreciation in it and the bands that have reached out to us, and you know, there's still more things coming in the future. And, you know, the relationships that we've all, you know, gained from doing this, I, I, I think it's just amazing. I mean, the, the community is very strong. Absolutely. But going to my newer interesting is actually something that I completely forgot about that I, you know, for a while, the band's Alexis on Fire. Mm-hmm. And um, the song is called uh, This Could Be Anywhere in the World. Probably yeah. like the bigger song that they had. And like, I forgot about it for a long time. Is it Alexis on fire or Alex is on fire? I think it's Alexis. on. It's all one word. I've always pronounced it as Alexis on fire. Hmm. Maybe it's Alex's Alex is on, on fire. fire. Yeah. I don't know. You know, what's kind of funny. You know, the, the band August Burns Red. Yeah. You know, that was actually a newspaper headline. Alex is on fire. No, no. August burns red. Uh, that's where they got it. Yeah. Like um, some girl got broken up with by a dude. So she killed his dog. And his Gosh. dog's name was red. And she lit it on fire. August burns red. Exactly. Oh, wow. That's uh, And that's how they got their that's name. Pretty cool. Yeah. At least that's what I've heard. It yeah. is Alexis on fire. Alexis on fire. Yeah. Okay. We have confirmation. Yep. Thank Wikipedia. You. Thank have you either of you guys got into them at all? No. Negative. That they're pretty, they're, they're pretty cool. Like Dallas Green, have you ever heard of uh, City in the Color? No, City in Color, negative. No, singer songwriter. What would well, you compare it to? Alexis on Fire is like it sounds like I wrestled a bear once or something. No, no, no. no. This okay. is like early two thousands, like two thousand three. I think this album Crisis came out, All so right. it's like the beginning of this. Like I. It's like core, but not really core. Like it's not like Damn, that. They got they broke up and got back together already. Yeah. Huh. They broke. They broke up in 2011. Yeah, and then we're back because Dallas Green did a huh. solo thing, and um, that it's just it's hard to explain what they're like. It's just like it's like core, but not really core. Like if you were gonna set up a show with them, who would be like a supporting act to like 
you know accommodate i guess you could um, say to it would have to be like like old afi or taking back sunday oh, okay it, it's like the one bled. of those bands to where you could throw them on with anybody the okay Who? the bled i can't say i'm familiar you don't remember the bled i maybe if i heard a song they're listed as an associated act with um alexis, alexis on fire yeah it means a member Somebody huh. was involved. Yeah, like they're they're heavy, but not like super heavy, and like they're kind of core, but not really. It's it's almost it's it's like old AFI. Really, they're listed as post hardcore, melodic hardcore. Yeah. Okay. But it's not like like hardcore before it became what hardcore is known. Exactly. As now. There's not okay. like breakdowns and like stupid shit. Yeah. Like it's actually good music. Not like the uh, Clearview scene hardcore. Exactly. Jesus if you get a Christ. chance to check out this song, this could be anywhere in the world. I think you'd really enjoy it. It's a good song. All right. On this day in music history. 1964, Beatlemania is in full swing following the Beatles' Ed Sullivan show appearance the night before, with the group giving another press conference and many young men suddenly sporting hair- Beatles haircuts. This was many years before the um, massive George Harrison, for which he's primarily known for uh, Ding Dong Ding Dong. Classic hit. Yeah. 100%. You don't and know many- Ding Dong Ding Dong, you're sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> the Sonic... The, the total sonic eclipse of anything the Beatles ever did. Yeah, it's amazing. These kids sporting the Beatles haircuts, they have no idea what was about to come to them. <laughs> no clue. 1967. After seven years at Columbia, Aretha Franklin releases her first single on Atlantic Records, I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You. Becomes her first big hit, clearing a path to the throne of the Queen of Soul. Mm. Undeniable. Undeniable. Uh, yeah. I mean... That's just... If you, if you listen to music... Yeah, I mean, it's she just, might be the greatest singer in American yeah. history. Yeah. I agree. Um, Definitely one of the best music cameos in a movie uh, with the Blues Brothers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. 1968, Rolling Stone magazine offers free roach clips to new subscribers. That's What's a awesome. roach clip? That's that little fucking, What's it's like a, a tweezer, clip? bruh. <laughs> it's for your... Um, Learn like something you, new every day. Like when you have like roaches crawling on the ground. Oh, right. Yeah, and they start oh, to that's fly. You clip them to the ground because they have like palmetto bugs. That and was stuff. smart of Rolling Stone. Yeah. We're, we're really huge. into pest control here at Rage Against the Mainstream Podcast. Absolutely. 1979. Rod Stewart's. Did Whoa. Not- <laughs> <laughs> um. 1978, Van Halen releases their self-titled debut album, Van Halen. Quite one. possibly one of the best debut albums of all time. <sighs> Serious. No, I, like the top album? 250. Top 250? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Dude, you cannot go out on a limb and say that is probably arguably one of the best debut albums. I, mean, I could you, probably sit here and name 20 that are better. It's definitely within the top, top 20. Christ, easily dude. top 20. <laughs> it's undeniable. It's it's one of those albums, dude. You have to think about the time period no that bleach. it came out. <laughs> you have to think about the time period it came out, the songs that were on it, what kind of cultural impact it made. I get that. No, no, no. I get that from a dude, standpoint. Dude, it really have that much of a, cr- a cultural impact, though. What did it change about the culture? The way guitar was played forever. Eruption uh, alone. I wouldn't say forever. It kind of did. You think about it. Do you hear a lot of Eddie Van Halen influence in music today? But you heard a lot of Eddie Van Halen influence after Van Halen won. Yeah, it doesn't mean forever. Literally until the 1990s. But if you're taking out the entire aesthetic that you're trying to prove in the sense of this album and what it created in a counterculture sense, it's debut album, like listening ability, just as an album. 
You think this is arguably the one of the best debut albums by any artist? I think for what that album had to offer, absolutely. <sighs> have you ever sat down and listened to that album from I start have. to finish? Yes, it's the only one I have ever really listened to. Dude, it's 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 great. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but you're, you're talking literally of any musician out there to be the best debut album. No, no, I didn't say the best. I said one of the best uh, for an album to be in that league. Every song has to be as best, flawless. as good as the last, and flawless. And it, yeah. I mean, I can't really pick a bad song off that album. But do you have favorites? Do I have favorites? <sighs> I don't know. Ice Cream Man. Ice Cream Man, I think, has one of the best solos outside of Eruption. I mean, like, Running with the Devil. Have you listened to Led Zeppelin 1? Have you ever listened you to it? Haven't. Not from start to finish, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I'm not saying... Black Sabbath album. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not saying it's better than these albums. I'm saying it's on par with these albums. Okay. But I'm still saying if you're going to say... Ten. Yeah. I think it's on par with Facelift. Ten. Mm. On par with Facelift. I'll say it's on par with Facelift, not Ten. The self-title by The Doors. Mm-hmm. Mm. CIA project. Take it or leave it. Piper at the Gates of Dawn by Pink Floyd. How much? How much do you think that album was back when it came out? The Doors album. What do you mean? What, uh, how much price wise? Yeah, yeah, like probably, probably like fifties. <laughs> nah, probably like four bucks. Yeah. Four bucks. Well, you figure when we I were think watching, it's about like forty we cheeseburgers at McDonald's and fucking sixties yeah, yeah, money. Right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, so moving on. Yeah, 1979, Rod Stewart's Do You Think I'm Sexy? A disco diversion for the British superstar hits number one in the U.S. Smash it. I'm not super big Love Rod Stewart song. fan. Nah, I, uh, I actually Stewart Maggie stand, May's cool. I can't stand Rod Stewart's voice. Yeah. Um, Young Turks is all right. Uh, Rod Stewart is literally, I put him up there with like David Bowie um, in that sense really? of like a compilation type artist. Like David Bowie, there's a few albums I can listen to, but if you if you get a Rod oh, okay. Stewart in greatest hits, yeah, no, 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 not in talent, absolutely. Fuck I was gonna not. say what? No, 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 no. But I'm saying like I put them in a certain realm where like if I'm gonna go out and get an album, it's better for me for them to buy a compilation than any studio like albums because it's just there's kinda, only so many. Yeah, songs. You wouldn't catch me with a Rod Stewart solo. Hell album. no. I kind of put Rod Stewart in the same like plateau as like Barry Manilow. I yeah, yeah, I don't even think I would buy Faces thing. album, honestly. No, it's yeah. just not my thing. Yeah, never was a fan. Yeah. Um, jumping to 2001, Jennifer Lopez's album J Lo goes to number one in America. Her movie The Wedding Planner is number one at the box office, making her the first person with a number one movie and album at the same time. That's cool. Talk about reviving her career too, performing at the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, this is something I a conversation I had at work. When are they going to start having like fucking like rock bands that isn't like Aerosmith or Green the fucking five. Rolling Stones Green at the yeah. Cowboys Stadium? Yeah, like like when are we going to have like you know, hey say but like Metallica? Like well, when's a yeah. band like that but going to play the Super Bowl? This is the thing you got to figure when like bands like Led Zeppelin and the Stones are coming out, they were considered pop music because they appeal to popular culture. Yeah, I everything guess. they're doing with those types of events, they kind of have to put it in a general sense of being a character, or an individual. That's you know, because you got to figure the a fact- crowd that's going to a Miami Super Bowl. I mean, how many of them are really going to be up there listening to like Fade the Black as opposed to something by J Lo and Shakira and like be appealing to the masses? Yeah, but you have to think though, the majority of probably. I mean, I'm just going out on a on just not no facts at all, but I'm assuming that most of the population that watches the Super Bowl is probably blue collar America. Yeah, but the people and that are buying kinda, the tickets. 
Yeah. They're kind of like that price is jacked up to a point where you're almost paying for a concert in itself because then there's people that come yeah, down on the field. The f- now, here's the thing. But that's like us. Like most people that are already generally established in like a rock or metal genre, I have no problem. Like I enjoy Shakira. I enjoy. Oh, J-Lo. I'm not saying I don't. But that's what I'm saying. But then you get the flip side of people that generally like J Lo and Shakira. That that's their primary genre style of music. It's harder for them to go out and listen to like Kill 'Em All as opposed to the us fact that Foo Fighters haven't played yet. Is that's kind another. Of that, okay, see, Foo Fighters like a crossover pop. Yeah, rock yeah band Pearl Jam could do it. Appreciated by rock fans. Pearl Jam fans. could do it. Yeah, but Pearl I think Jam, Foo yeah. Fighters more than Pearl Jam. I think Foo Fighters Pearl right Jam, now. Right Foo now. Fighters have a lot more hits right yeah. now. Yeah, right now, especially with Foo Fighters coming. Could out you imagine the Foo Fighters halftime show? It'd be fucking crazy. Well, they would only get to play like four songs. They'd probably do My Hero. The Pretender, probably. I'm not gonna lie, though. They'd have dude. to play something off Concrete and Gold, and they'll probably Man. end with like All My Life. I feel like they would play, honestly, My Hero, Everlong, yeah. Best of You, and something off Concrete and Gold or whatever album came yeah, out. Yeah, they'd probably try and throw something newer in. Yeah, they'll probably do Sky yeah. Sky's the Neighborhood. They'll open up with that. Yeah. Then uh, honestly, I think All dude, My Life they'll Everlong. probably play. I don't know though, because they're not really in the promotional. Uh, wheel for concrete and gold anymore. I don't think. Yeah, but it's the last hit that they had or last single. See, here's the issue. I'm a I'm I'm a football fan first when it comes to those events. So I'll mm-hmm. be totally frank with you. I would rather watch uh, a Bengals Giants Super Bowl than fucking Pearl Jam or or you know not Pearl Jam essentially, but Foo Fighters performing. I mean, it's just, yeah. That's the thing with those Super Bowl shows. Unless you're there, I could really care less who the artist is. I mean, I usually check out at halftime anyway and like re up on anything that I'm drinking or eating and kind of like reestablish because I, I, I just watch football all the time. Yeah. So I think that's really more so along the lines when they promote these artists is just for the simple fact of like, I mean, J Lo and Shakira. Yeah. Those are household names. You know, Foo Fighters is probably like the They could be in band. my household if they want. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it's crazy how they look still, man. Like at their yeah. age, like Jesus Christ, dude. I think Dave Grohl looks old as fuck now. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I th- I think he was referring to Shakira and J Lo. I definitely though. was. Yeah, uh, okay. yeah. <laughs> it's okay though. Whatever your preferences are, you know. Well, it's like Alicia's here. still looking good. Alicia Keys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that's the thing. Not with Alicia Keys, but J Lo and Shakira. Like the women of like Hispanic descent, they just yeah. get better with the like, fine they wine. Do, they dude. are they get a fine better with wine. Age. Yeah. But they're a little more on the aggressive side. They're like a fine Scotch, you know. Tequila. Tequila. There you go. A little right. harder. There you go. <laughs> 2004, Kanye West, known for producing tracks on Jay-Z's 2001 album, The Blueprint, releases his debut album, The Kyle's Dropout. We talked about this. Yes, yeah, that's have. like um, late registration. That and late this, registration yeah, yeah. Right for me with him. Yeah. I do mm-hmm. enjoy this I album. mean, I remember listening to the beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy when it came out and being all right with it. Uh, I don't like 808s and Heartbreaker, whatever yeah. it's called. Um didn't like graduation really. Um, Life of Pablo had one or two songs I liked on it. Real Friends was all right. Um, but yeah, for me with Kanye, like anything I'm going to choose to listen to, like College Dropout. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, 2008, Amy Winehouse is the big winner at the Grammy Awards, taking five trophies, including Best New Artist, Record of the Year, and Song of the Year, both for rehab. Yeah, it was that cool. was in that documentary too that well, we watched. Yeah, that was like you could not have heard about that when that happened too. Oh my like, god, that was yeah. like big news. Like Amy that Winehouse was... swept the Grammys. Like, oh yeah. Well, Rehab was just a mega hit. Yeah, yeah. and just in that documentary yeah. too, seeing the uh, 
reasons for writing it is just hilarious. It's like my father talked me out of going to rehab yeah. with a heroin addiction, and I'm going to write a fucking hit. So, like, just the how ironic and cool that is. Yeah. Like, that is just, God, that's an awesome fucking story. She probably Rest should have Sammy went to rehab. Winehouse. Yeah. She did, but it was just too, too late. Yep. Yeah. Takes a while to stick those things, you know? 2010, future Dead and Company guitarist John Mayer describes his ex-girlfriend Jessica Simpson as sexual napalm in a Playboy interview. I don't know what that even means. Is that a negative or a positive? I think that's like definitely um, a positive. Yeah, positive, definitely positive. (laughs) Yeah, because I can't imagine that being bad. Because anytime I hear the term, I wouldn't imagine that. What it being bad seems like totally like yeah, like a like a fish just lays there, flops around, just not very sexual, not at all. Yeah, especially that. I don't know, uh, boy. Don't don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not saying it wouldn't be nice if she was, but <laughs> yeah. um, just didn't give me that uh, vibe. 2011, the video for Rebecca Black's song Friday is uploaded to YouTube where it becomes a viral smash. Friday, Friday. Yeah. I think that's the only thing I know. I don't know yeah. the rest of that song. I remember when that came out. I was still in high school and I was just like. I hate Friday too. Yeah, why? Well, I, I why? love Friday too. Like, <laughs> that was really like a wow. This is a dumb ass yeah. song. Moment. That just like showed the turn of like you know you can put so. I was much getting ready to say that. Yeah, like the, it, it, that was culture. like probably the turning point in yeah. where music went to total garbage. Yeah, at least shit that's uploaded to YouTube. Yeah. Definitely. And that was also one of those things too, where you could be a nobody, post your shit online, and you're a fucking viral sensation. You can make fucking money. Music news. Today in music news, February 10th, 2020. First thing we got here is Travis Barker is auctioning off some of his classic convertible cars. According to TMZ, Barker is partnering with famed car auction company Barrett Jackson to sell a few of his vehicles to the highest bidder. I mean, Barrett, I love watching Barrett Jackson yeah, auctions. I, that shit's awesome. Yeah, I do enjoy that. Like, just to see, like, what these cars go for is fucking ridiculous. And then to think about it, like, you can get, like, a 1969 Camaro. Like, if you bought it brand new, it was probably, like, seven grand with all the options. You take it to Barrett Jackson, as long as the numbers matching cards in good shape, you can fetch, like, $120,000 for a car you paid five grand for back in the 60s. Oh, yeah. Dude, it's just wild. I love watching that shit. The crazy ones are those, like, Dodge Daytona Chargers, the ones with the giant wings. Those cars fetch like a million. Well, the thing is, nobody thought these cars were ever yes. going to be worth shit. So, I it's, mean, like you buy a car, like it's like a throwaway I have car. a RAV4, you have a Honda CRV. Can you imagine, like, it being worth money? <laughs> yeah, and these no. cars were like those. Like they yeah. sold a bunch. You know what I mean? But there's just a very small sliver of the the buyers that keep those cars in tip top tip top yeah. shape yeah can, it's funny know, too i think it was them. me and you bill when i was like car searching the one day and we were talking about like you got to find like that old guy who's like a, just a reputable owner and like dude they really should make an app where you go through some certification process when you're searching for like even just like 92 hondas and stuff yeah Guys, it just kept them in clean shape you know what i mean exactly. i've been wanting to get a 99 celica for a minute and yep. you never <laughs> see them pop up because celicas are cool well everybody Especially knows those think those never die those yep. are like some of the best cars ever made and le- the least maintenance you're ever going to do to a car and people yeah, car companies them. in like the 70s and 80s like damn we fucked up we gotta start making these like a little you know what i mean let's put plastic bumpers on them you know well getting back here to drumming phenom travis barker <laughs> he's selling off three of his cars specifically a 1941 cadillac 62 series convertible which is a really nice car 1960 cadillac coupe deville and a 1972 k5 blazer 
that's got to be fucking cool. Is that a convertible? It's. Uh, I think those K5 blazers, you can pull the back off. Okay. You can pull the top off. Um, the 1941 Cadillac is expected to, is expected to pull in up to $100,000 while the uh, K, where the, where the blazer should rake in a massive two hundred grand. That is insane. People are paying $200,000 for a fucking for K5 blazer. blazers. And I think those K5 blazers, if I'm not mistaken, all you car buffs out there could prove me wrong. I think those are the ones that rust out. Steve's located one here for twenty two five. Twenty two five. Twenty two thousand five hundred. Twenty two thousand five hundred. But it wasn't owned by Travis Barker. No, that's the yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm not paying ten times more for a car because it was owned by fucking anybody. <laughs> fucking. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Jesus Christ not. could wake back up <laughs> yeah. and fucking buy a Toyota, and I'm not paying ten times more for it because he was driving <laughs> around in it. <laughs> yeah, I could buy a wooden Honda from Jerusalem from Jesus Christ. I'm not paying that fucking money. You mean you wouldn't pay two hundred thousand dollars from one of the forerunners of the pop punk movement? Oh God, no! <laughs> I'm not even a giant Blink fan, honestly. Like, me I, I, for me, it's like going back to what Steve said earlier about being a greatest hits artist. Like, yeah. I, I could care less about going back to any of the studio albums. Yeah, it's funny because I will say there are some albums that are good just because there's a bunch of songs on them that aren't all on like a compilation album but like there's not a single blink album where i've listened to front to back without at least skipping like one or two songs yeah like there's some that have like maybe six seven great songs or you know four really good songs or whatever but yeah there's never been a blink album that like, i've been content with their greatest hits for yeah. like 10 years yeah which definitely leads me to my next point which is i would never spend that amount of money to own a travis barker like, like i mean that's not even a good table talk like yeah, this was Travis, Travis Barker's. Barker like if this was, you know, stars and straps. Yeah. <laughs> like this was uh Dimebag Daryl's fucking, you know, Chevy. Like that's a different story for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just but all has to do with who, Travis you know. Barker, I, mean. I was who, had, yeah. I was had a I problem with Blink cuz they ripped off the smiley face from Nirvana. Oh, I was yeah. like they're in <laughs> made it just like more original. Like, what yeah. a bunch of assholes. <laughs> I can just picture the individual that's going to buy this or at least buy it from the original buyer. Oh my he's going to be like just, you know, you're typical <laughs> big frame classes bruises own ipas yeah next thing in music here in music news here is to celebrate david bowie's birthday which was january 8th okay. parlophone is releasing a six song ep over the course of six weeks the ep entitled is it any wonder will feature some previously unreleased recordings from the departed legend um the songs have been uh, doled out over the la- over these last couple weeks and will be done being released at the Six week end mark. One of the songs, a previously unreleased version of The Man Who Sold the World, which is recorded in New York just ahead of Bowie's 50th birthday concert, Madison Square Garden, 1997. The whole session, named uh, Changes Now Bowie, was recorded for broadcast on the BBC to celebrate the Starman's uh, 50th. Um, probably not coincidentally, the 1970 album of the same name turns 50 this year. Um, Fuck Bowie. <laughs> all i gotta say so I'm not <laughs> gonna, i like earthling yeah i'm not gonna go that far and saying of you know because i still respect david bowie i do enjoy his music but this is the thing where i get with like all these um you know albums that come out of like unreleased music or just you know archive you know footage or recording of like a live show and then especially the fact that it's mentioned specifically the man who sold the world i mean you know that's like all right, there's still Nirvana That's a fans point. out there. Yeah, yeah. there's definitely, you know, kind of want to hear this. And, you know, I, I get why they do it. I totally don't, like, you know, knock what they do when they do that stuff. But put it this way, man, 
I could like an artist, and unless it's something that like I really am dying to listen to, I'm, I would never go out and purchase something like this just for me because it's just I I have what I have by these people. I yeah. mean, as long as these artists have been out, I mean, even like the posthumous albums that get recorded when we talked about like Tupac uh, the other week, and um, I think it get, it just gets to a point of just like money grabbing. It gets to a real sad, desperate moment of just like trying to find like. All right, you want to listen to this like basement track that sound like it was recorded on an eight track in someone's basement, but it's you know this artist. Yeah, like, it's just like I mean, even some like you know good you know archival you know music of like certain artists that I do enjoy. There's a lot of shit that I just don't listen to. Yeah, it's cool to know that it's out there, but honestly, I'll take the man who, the Nirvana version over the Bowie version anyway. I think David Bowie even came out. Yeah, like his yeah. Nirvana's is live. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was just really well done. And it was like the third time. That really put it. that song on the map. Yeah. Like, really mm-hmm. did. Well, that I mean, song from Bowie's career was before he was, like, popular. Like, that song didn't break him through. Like, Yeah. Hmm. Last thing in music news here is uh, a biography. The Nine Lives of Ozzy Osbourne will premiere at South by Southwest this spring. Um, Saying here, Ozzy Osbourne defines feeling like a spirit personality. John, his given name, in the first few frames of the trailer for the upcoming documentary, the 86-minute uh, film, which A&E produced as part of its biography series, will tell the story of the former Black Sabbath singer from childhood to solo stardom to reality TV mega fame. Sh- Ozzy, Sharon, and Jack are among the executive producer of the picture, which uh, former Osborne's producer, R. Greg Johnson, directed. Uh, Rick Rubin is quoted saying, I don't know what music would be like if it weren't for the influence of Ozzy. Ozzy changed everything. I, I agree. Um, the trailer shows Ozzy looking at himself, uh, looking at looking at pictures of himself as a child and goofing around during the Black Sabbath days. It also shows him on stage as a solo artist over the years. In addition, it features commentary from Kelly, Sharon, and Jack Osborne, along with Marilyn Manson, Rob Zombie, Ice-T, and Corn's Jonathan Davis. Um, Sharon says he left one of the biggest rock bands in the world to become bigger. Incredible artist on his own, finding great new talent, and then he made it huge on TV. Nobody had done that. Um, yeah. Uh, af- I- actually, this just came out, too. It was his uh, di- diagnosis of Parkinson's. Parkinson's yeah. Um, it's saying here that uh, he's planning on returning to the stage this spring for the North American leg of his No More Tours to track. Did you listen to that new Ozzy album all the way? I Yeah. Did you listen to the track with Tom Morello on it? Maybe. I don't know. It says I, I, I didn't know that he was on the album, but that's what it says down there that he was on it. Hmm. I knew about uh, Elton John slash and Post Malone. I wasn't a giant fan of the Elton John song, Ordinary Man. I didn't hear that, but... You're I not, heard that he was on it. You're not missing much. Yeah, Elton John, he's great, but he really hasn't part. done anything I liked since like his, 1976. I haven't <laughs> liked anything Elton John has done since his collaboration with Eminem of uh, Stan at the MTV Music Awards. Uh, that was just him hopping on a song that already existed, though. <laughs> like, But yeah, it, it's fucked up because Elton John is the best part of that song. Like, it doesn't sound like Ozzy, dude. It sounds like a computer trying to be Ozzy. It's the weirdest shit. It's like I said before, like, you know, I don't think necessarily that this dude, um, I forget his name, the guy that produced the the new record, um, but I feel like Ozzy wasn't particularly in the best shape vocally 
to put out this album. And it's just unfortunate that this guy who's getting, I mean, he's done post Malone shit, but I mean, yeah. he's really trying to make his mark on the Aussie fucking career. And in my opinion, I don't think this is a good album. And I mean, it's just unfortunate, but I feel like most of the what's better, Ozzy this or Osmosis? Osmosis. Well, it's funny, Bill, <laughs> especially hearing it from you because I'm a huge Ozzy. I was going to say, oh, really? yeah, like yeah. when it comes I to like Van Halen, when it comes to like Ozzy, like you are always like the one who likes the not so like typical liked albums. Like you, you'll actually branch out and appreciate an album, even if it's hailed as like being totally commercial and like, you know, totally not typical. So for you to like, not really enjoy ordinary man was kind of weird. I mean, the album comes out, uh, the 21st of this month. Um, and I'm going to listen to it when it fully releases. I'm going to listen to the oh, entire it's not thing. Out yet. comes out February 21st. Yeah, um, I've I've listened to all the singles that they've released, yeah, and it's just um, but yeah, I'm on the same boat with you, man. Like, I still whole, think it's good. Yeah, the post Malone thing really sparked him into this. I saw the trailer for the document for this, by the way, this documentary. I, it, actually, I, like I plan on watching that as well because I mean, again, Ozzy Osbourne is just one of those people where like I really don't care. I mean, there's a lot of bands out there still to this day that put out music that I know is probably not going to be that great, but they're just a hailed artist. So I'm going to listen to it because yeah. you might find like that one riff or that one cool moment or like, you know, even that just that one good song. Yeah. And I'll take that chance because you've proven time and time again that the possibility is there. But yeah, dude, it's I just, really, yeah, I this was forced. I don't really think this should have been done. I think maybe he should have just continued to tour. I mean, you know, his Parkinson's, you know, diagnosis and coming out about that was very sad to hear. It's humbling. It very much so is. And that's why I do respect the fact that he still gets up there. He still tries to put on a show. Um, and the album is almost like a simpler way to do it without putting your body through so much shit. So yeah. I, I get, you know, the po he's going to have something out there for newer fans. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. I don't know. However, I would just, I'd, I'd be fine with like a re-release and yeah. remastered oh, versions yeah. of his past albums. Yeah, maybe dude, with like unreleased tracks. Or something, dude. Dude, oh. literally anything up until like No More Tears. All those albums. Blizzard yeah. of Oz, Dire Madman. You know what been, ultimate sin bark you know the moon no rest for cool? the wicked no more tears you see how many artists he got on this album yeah wouldn't it have been cool if he made a new if he had zach wild on it too yeah but if he took like <laughs> like all these you can add zach wild to the mix as well into this but he went out and made a compilation album but yeah. instead of just the greatest hits he went and re-recorded each song with different artists and made the greatest hits of re-recorded songs well this is actually something that would have been fucking cool this is something right here I don't know if you've ever seen before, like on YouTube, Ozzy has done a string of concerts called Ozzy and Friends. Okay. And it's basically all these people that have been on this new album, obviously besides Post Malone, and, you know, all of his past band members and other people that were never even involved with Ozzy. He's had them on stage to play like a greatest hits type concert. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like this Ozzy and Friends thing had came about when he did the uh the scream album where gus g was a guitar player instead of zach wild yeah and he had zach come out for a bunch of songs slash fucking everybody duff mckagan like it was just crazy and i feel like this is kind of our segue into what we're going to talk about this week which is super groups because you know at any point during this you know ozzy and friends thing you could see various versions of, you know, a different band. Oh, yeah. And every little member you put in was just like another flavor that like made this sonic palette even better than what it was before. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess do we want to go around the table and 
I guess, give like our. I mean, if you want to just rattle off a couple and then we can go. Yeah, I definitely want to come to a consensus of like maybe yeah. our favorite super group in the sense. I mean, Bill, why don't you for the uh, listening audience kind of elaborate more so on what we mean by super group? Super group is a band or, you know, collaboration of different musicians that were in bands that were successful in their own right. Or, you know, I mean, I guess not even successful. You could have people from different bands come together to form a new group. And that is what they call a super group. It has nothing to do with, you know, like comic books and fighting crime or anything. But they definitely make some super music. One band in particular that I didn't write down and actually just came to me now is uh, going back to season one, episode 10 there with uh, Doc Coyle from Bad Wolves. Many people don't understand it, but Bad Wolves is a super group. Okay. Yeah, yeah Doc Coyle was from God Forbid. Tommy Vex, the singer, was from Divine Heresy. The drummer, John Beckland, is from Devil Driver. Um, uh, God damn, I forget the guitar player's name. Chris, he's from Bury Your Dead. And the bass player, Tim, is from In This Moment. Oh, wow. God yeah. Damn. So they're, Bad Wolves is a super group. And, um, you know, I, I think that that might be more of a commercial version of a super group, but other ones too that I want to throw in is Chickenfoot. Yeah, Sammy Hagar. Yeah. Man. Huh? I said, I know you're a big Chickenfoot fan. I don't mind Chickenfoot. I think they're pretty good. I mean, Chickenfoot's got Chad Smith, Joe Satriani, Michael Anthony, and Sammy Hagar. Dude, they're, they make some pretty good fucking tunes. Another one is The Circle. Um, it's got Vic Johnson from Sammy Hagar's, you know, Cabo Wabo band, Sammy Hagar, Michael Anthony, and fucking Jason Bonham. Yeah. And yes. they're an extremely good band too. Yeah. Um, other ones that are, you know, notable, um, this one probably rings true for you, Connor, is Audio, audio Slave. Slave. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. The audio first Audio Slave album might have been the greatest rock album of two of that decade. I might go out on a whim here and say Audio Slave might be one of the best super groups ever. Oh yeah, that first arguably yeah, yeah. arguably one of the best. The first Audio Slave album was probably the best rock album, best mainstream rock album of that decade. Absolutely, Absolutely. five stars. And that was Rick Rubin produced, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just impossibly over the top, like all over the place. Fucking awesome. Chris Cornell's vocals are like better than ever. Like you got Tom Morello, who's like. You know, I'm not gonna say he's better than Kim Thiel or uh, Chris Cornell. It's at different. Guitar, it's a different flavor he's for more, that band. Like epic with it. Like yeah. he's not as yeah. weird with it. Well, like, because the thing too is you have he's to remember, weird, but in an epic way. Yeah. Well, the thing you have to remember too is, I mean, we all know it, but probably there's a good portion of our listeners that don't understand it. Most of the guitar riffs in Soundgarden is Chris Cornell. Yeah, yeah. he Kim, Kim Thale Although wasn't the funny. genius in the band. Yeah. It was Chris. That song, Room a Thousand Years Why, which I'm always toting. I was on the Wikipedia for that recently, and I noticed that that song wasn't right. That's one of the few songs in Soundgarden's catalog that has Not had Chris. no input from Chris Cornell. Oh, shit. He didn't write the lyrics, nothing. Well, we talked about, too, like Matt Chris Cameron Cornell was the main it, driver it of it. probably oh, the shit. one vocalist of that scene that could have been manipulated almost into any other band. It's and Chris literally, yeah, yeah, that's what we were mm-hmm. saying the other week. And, like, this is essentially rage, but with a more so alternative writing style. But yeah. the tone of Tom Morello is like. It, it, dude, it's, it, it's the perfect blend really of Soundgarden and Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. It's perfect. Like, like a stone, I am your highway. Yeah. Fuck. Show me how to live. Yeah, dude. dude this Exploder, is, hypnotize, yeah. um, coach, coach eyes. Yeah. yeah. All the singles oh from 
Audio Slave are fucking Shadow insane. Shadow on the Yup. Shadow on So good, dude. Another good super group, too, I want to I want to throw in here, because we were talking about Duff McKagan and Slash, is Velvet Revolver. Yeah. That first album. Yeah. Ridiculously good. Here's, here's something that I want to talk about with Velvet Revolver. I feel like Velvet Revolver could have been the best super group of all time. If they weren't going to beat obviously. No, if <laughs> if Scott yeah. Weiland still sounded like Scott Weiland from Stone Temple yeah, Pilots well, got, and not strung out. They got Scott Weiland towards the end. Like I remember you were telling me when you saw him live and he was like Ooh, totally, Connor saw him too. We were at the same show. He was at M M barbecue, right? Yeah. yeah he was like totally M&M shot M&M barbecue. M M barbecue, bro. Um The M barbecue. But yeah, he was like totally Dude, he was yeah. bad. Yeah, it's a it shame. was it was really bad. That's a shame. But I feel like Velvet Revolver could have done way more, and they probably still be together to they this had, day. They had Scott the Weiland. second album that flopped, Libertad. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the thing, though. I feel like if Scott was and in his prime, like imagine Scott from like Core or Purple. Imagine that vocal yeah. on that first fucking Velvet Revolver album would have been in fucking yeah. insane. It would have been undeniably one of the best fucking albums of the decade. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um. Another one that uh you're gonna dig, Connor Crosby, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, that's CSNY, like, dog. That's like the archetypal super. That is, in yep. my yeah. opinion, like, like the Hollies, the Birds, Neil Young, Buffalo, yep. Springfield. Yeah. Like that's that's a pretty hard super group. Uh, root tree or whatever yeah. family tree to uh beat. And the it was only, one of those things where they were like perfect for each other. Yeah, they really. And it, here's the difference because, like, one of my favorite super groups um, is the Yardbirds. Um, mm. The Yardbirds, you know, really propelled the careers of Jeff Beck, Jimmy Page, Eric Clapton. Well, and even um, Led Zeppelin's like almost a super group. Yeah, yeah. Like, essentially. It was Yardbirds yeah. Yard Birds and um, Band of Joy members. Yeah. yeah. And, but I think it's too, like, the difference is, is with like the Yardbirds and like a band like Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young is like Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young put out really good albums and really good live sessions. Like, you figure the Yardbirds was like interchangeable where Eric Clapton, after the first album, he had writing credits on the second, but Jeff Beck essentially replaced him. Um, and then that was like the process, like the three of them never really stood there and put out consistent work like Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. And even without Young, I mean, obviously, but, um, that, yeah, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young is probably just one of those like quintessential, like that you don't realize you're listening to a super group half the time, but it's like, that's the band. I mean, it's just everything that those guys have done is fucking insane. Let's take into grunge a little bit here with Temple, the dog and mad season. Uh, Temple, the dog. Hunger Strike is in my top ten probably greatest songs of all time. Really, so never simple. gets old. Yeah, never gets old. The, yeah, the purity and authenticity and integrity in that song is yep. undeniable. It's funny listening to that song and after watching Pearl Jam twenty, like when they're like, "Oh, this is the first time he's ever been recorded," like in the movie, and then all of a sudden it's like, "Boom!" I don't mind. Like kills like, it. Yeah, every yeah. time I hear that song now, like that scene in that movie plays, and then when he starts singing, the fucking hair stands up I, on my arms. For, yeah. yeah, for me, the hair standing up moment for me is when I watch the video and you just see Chris Cornell like during one of the high screams, like playing guitar on the beach and he's got his back to you and he's just like getting into it it's just like god damn like that must have been like a beautiful moment chris cornell fucking getting into this beautiful song on a fucking beach it makes you wonder what it was like while filming that video because obviously they weren't like really playing it because there was no amps or nothing it's a pretty low but like budget video yeah but could you imagine though like being the dude like with the camera fucking watching chris cornell play this shit 
like acoustic and fucking screaming at the top of his lungs. It'd be crazy. I think cum would have just came out of my dick. <laughs> like not even hard. It just would have rolled down, stuck yeah, in my poof. pants. Yeah, like <laughs> would have blew a hole instant in Instant cum, yeah. <laughs> just an insta cum, dude. Just been like, yo, what the fuck was that? Oh my God, look at that giant hole in your pants. I don't even, yeah, we don't even know what happened. <laughs> like when like uh, in like South Park where they play the brown noise on their uh, recorders and make you shit. Like, yeah, Eddie Vedder's voice in that moment. Just, uh. <laughs> Like I said, it's just one of those things like when you watch Pearl Jam 20 and they bring up Temple of the Dog and they bring up Hunger Strike and they're like, Mm -hmm. and when he went in, it was just a magical moment and then boom, it was like, whoa. And the best thing about that is because we think about like we have everything right now by Pearl Jam. Like we're born into an era where like pretty much everything was there that's known for. So you figure in the moment, like think about any musician that you've heard for the first time and then think about all the musicians that are considered absolutely legendary and hearing them for the first time. Oh my God. It's just just a totally, like imagine hearing like Robert Plant for the first time, you know? I mean, imagine hearing, um, you know, especially like Chris Cornell when we mentioned him. I mean, just any of these guys for the first time and you're like, Wow. Yeah. And yeah, like, what the fuck? You know, it's like we talked about before, you know, uh, Temple of the Dog came out before Pearl Jam's 10. Yeah. No one knew who Eddie Vedder was at that point in time. Yeah. But getting back onto the topic of super groups, um, them crooked vultures. Yep. Yeah. That album didn't really impress me. It was a cool concept. It was a cool idea. I loved all the they promotional just went videos. Over, and yeah, stuff. they just went overboard with it all over the place. Yeah. Like they didn't have. It was like, oh my god, one part queens, two parts queens of the Stone Age, one part Led Zeppelin. Oh my god. Well, it was. I mean, Dave Grohl, Josh Homme, and John Paul Jones. Yeah, so I mean, two parts. Um, two parts Dave queens Grohl of the Stone on Age. One album. I mean, still yeah. kind of. Yeah. Um. I remember the song "No One Loves Me" and neither do I. Yeah, that, that I guess has stuck with me a little bit. Um, I can't even remember any other songs off that album. Though. I mean, it's me ten, it's like ten years old now. But yeah. I loved all the promotional videos they did. Remember the the Dave Grohl Fresh Pots? Yeah, where he has a coffee addiction. Yeah, that, that was, was funny. funny. Um, another Rack-a-chers, one, yeah. Rock and Chers. Yeah, yeah, that first album was insane. That like, new Daddy album that you recommended uh, last year. Yeah, yeah, I did. It's yeah, good. it's good, but yeah. it's, they've they've lost a bit of a. Uh, bluster from their early days, I guess. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the difference. I was never really into them, so that f- that newer album was actually the first one I really gave a shot. Yeah, and I was like, all right, that's not. Yeah, it's worth listening to. I like it. I liked that new album better than um Jack White solo stuff. Yeah, one hundred percent. Fan of Jack White solo work, really. Speaking of the Rock and Tears, do you did you hear that new Green Day song? Terrible. I, I thought that that was a new Rock and Tears song. Billy Joe sounds like Jack White in that song. He it was so noisy and shit. Voice like, all like, the time. I think he had like a British accent for a period of time. Too. Dude, I'm telling you, it sounded just like Jack White. And yeah, I was like, he, is this uh, a new Rock and Chur song? What the I'm, fuck? I'm over Jack White because it might get I loud. Think, I think he's he, a douchebag. <laughs> I think he's a great guitarist, but he's not the best songwriter or singer. And no. He, he just goes overboard with shit all the time. Yeah, but like, even his guitar playing, far, though, like, his guitar and it's playing like, dude, your whole good. thing with the white stripes was your simple and to the point. And yeah, you rock at that, but then you try and do these like five, six minute songs with like all this shit going yep. on, and you you don't hit it, man. But even his guitar playing, though, I don't feel like he's like that great of a guitar player. We've talked about this before during the it might get loud thing. I think he's good. I think he's better than the Edge. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I think all three of us together are better than the Edge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> serious. Like the Edge, he's like Tom Morello without any chops, kind of. 
Like he he relies on effects, but then doesn't have any chops. He's exactly. like hiding behind the effects. Whereas it's Tom like, Morello check is out like this enhancing e chord himself with the effects. You like this E power chord? Yeah. yeah. This this is streets have no name. Yeah. <laughs> oh fuck! The power went out. I'm fucked. I can't play any of this anymore. Yeah, like there's a reason why you two never did an unplugged, even though they're not heavy at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another one's pretty good. Profits of Rage. Yeah, that album is good. Group. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and their live their live footage and everything is amazing. Yeah, um, damn Yankees, you guys familiar with damn Yankees? Somewhat. They think don't know what you got till it's gone. That's Cinderella. Okay, damn Yankees does the. Can you take me high? Yeah, enough? I like that. So- I like that. It's song. Uh, Night Ranger, Sticks, and Ted Nugent. Oh, I hate Ted Nugent. You hate yeah. you hate the Nuge. Yeah, you don't I like Stranglehold. He's he's a. Yeah, but you don't yeah, like yeah, you don't like Catch Crash <laughs> Fever or Stranglehold. You don't like any of those songs. It's okay. I don't mind Ted Nugent. No, no, I'm, I'm saying oh, the oh, yeah, yeah. it's okay. It's Strangleholds it's like, awesome. With how much of a dickhead he is in real life, I can easily live without it. Like, yeah, Cat Scratch Fever is pretty basic. Cat Scratch Fever. <laughs> yeah, like it's not it's, it's not something I'm like dying for. I mean, Stranglehold is just really cool though. Yeah, because I think of Stranglehold, I think of like yeah, like based and confused. I think of like moments I heard that song. I was like, all right, that's pretty badass. Yeah, I remember hearing Stranglehold for the first time, be like, whoa, yeah, it's pretty cool. This shit is awesome. I could live without it. Um, the Postal Service. Yeah, I mean they had the great album. Yeah. That album was pretty good. Death Cab people, Rilo Kylie people. Yep. Um, Liquid Tension Experiment. Yes. Not familiar. John Petrucci. Most oh, of the God. members of Dream like, Theater, but yeah, it's just okay. a, it's an instrumental. Ba- Dude, it's it's awesome. We talked about Down a little bit like, last yeah. week. I do like Down. down yeah. That first album What's down? is pretty Pantera good. Pantera and... I don't know. I just know that. Pepper Keenan, Crowbar. Homeboy from yeah. Pantera is the singer. Yeah. yeah. Homeboy from Pantera. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I know you're you're dancing around the uh, perfect circle one. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Perfect I got perfect circle. circle on my list. Yeah, that, yeah. That they come from Tool, obviously. Smashing Pumpkins, Smash Pumpkins, Queens of Stone Marilyn Age, Manson. Primus. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of. You, you guys gotta... ever listen to uh, Eyes Adrift? I yeah, actually am not Novoselic's familiar with anything. Second, um, yo, post Nirvana project. It's funny. It's got the dude. It's got the one of the dudes from the Meat Puppets. I forget if it's Kurt or Chris on guitar and vocals. And then it has Bud Gaw, the drummer from Sublime. Oh shit! It's yeah, funny you cool. mentioned Song that. Song Alaska is pretty good. I actually don't think I've ever listened to any post Nirvana Chris Novoselic music. Eyes Adrift is. I, I haven't was heard. His... Unaware there was Chris Novoselic post Nirvana. Well, he did Sweet I mean, 70... I knew there had to be something. But... He did Sweet Seventy Five in like ninety five, ninety six, or something, and then. Eyes Adrift was like 2002, and then he just did another band called, I think, Giants in the Trees. I've heard about that. I haven't listened to that yet. So you also, too, Bill, were unaware of this. I was unaware. I thought Dave Grohl was the only one that did anything after Nirvana. Because Connor brought it up, like, you know, and it sounded like a a name that I should have probably known. like, wow, he really is. I always wondered. I always wondered. I just Um, thought after Nirvana, he just, like, Foo Fighters is basically a super super group. group. I mean, it's half Nirvana and half Sunny Day Real Estate when they formed. I mean, even if you wanted to break it down, it's like Nirvana, The Germs, Saturday yeah. Real Estate and yeah. fucking Alanis Morissette. Yeah, Scream. Alanis Morissette. Yeah. Uh, me first in the Gimme Gimme. Yeah. Use for a name. Yeah. Um, Actually, in, in every fighters. incarnation of the Foo Fighters, it was a super group. Yeah. Like every, they've, all every been point. In, they've all been in something else that everyone's pretty much heard of. Exactly. If you're like a rock fan. I mean, 
I, I mean, mean probably, Chris Shiflett, like no yeah. use for a name and me first in the gimme gimmies. They're not too famous, but I mean, yeah. see, people in the know like the definitely know no use like, for a name. Exactly. Because then would you consider like, I mean, obviously how many members would you say? Because like in that regard, there's several members from several different starting works, but then you could have like bands that like became something like you figure like New Order, right? New Order was just kind of like a reincarnation of the members of Joy Division after he incursed. Yeah. Same thing with Mother Love Bone. Yeah. yeah Pearl, Jam. Pearl Jam. Yeah. I mean, obviously... I mean, those stories are cool as well. I mean, we should probably dive into a topic. Journey is similar, essentially a super group. Santana. Pretty much made up of members Santana. from Santana's band, yeah. uh, yeah. the Tubes, and the Steve Miller band. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had on here the Breeders. Super yeah. group from the Pixies yep. and Throwing Muses and the Perfect Disaster. Yep. Um, and then Zwan, uh, Smashing Pumpkins, Perfect Circle, and Slint members. Yeah. Slint, yeah. You got any, Steve? No, I'm just sticking with the Yardbirds. That's like, Yardbirds. I mean, everything that Connor yeah. pretty much mentioned, yeah. like, hit what I was going to discuss anyway. If if Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young was the archetype of uh, supergroups, Yardbirds is like the the hidden gem. Yeah. 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 Um, especially because a lot of their albums, like, it's very hard in understanding exactly where who performed on what. But the second album is actually the last album that featured some works recorded uh, by Clapton. But that's when Jeff Beck took over on guitar and Jimmy Page was still there. I mean, that's just fucking... Well, they, Jimmy they, they Page was, like, always in the back and kind of was, yeah. like, a newer member. And then, like, yeah. he tried to keep it going once everybody left. And yeah. he actually changed the name of the band to the well, New Yardbirds, got on... the dudes from Led Zeppelin. And then they eventually said, all right, we can't call it the New Yardbirds. We got to do our own thing. <laughs> well, it's funny because you figure, yeah, Zeppelin. when uh, yeah. Led Zeppelin started, Jimmy Page was the old head. He was the old yeah. guy on the band, you know? Back in October, when I took my trip up to Manhattan mm-hmm. for the... um the exhibit up there the play it loud exhibit yes, where they yes, had the yes, guitars yeah, and the shit pictures, they yeah. had jimmy page's fucking yardbirds telecaster and his amps dude like it was like it, it was like imagine like when you're at a bank right and you know there's a shit ton of money behind that glass yeah that's almost what this was like like i was like fucking how 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 thick is bulletproof glass two inches so essentially inch- you were using the analogy of people that potentially could rob a bank based on the uh, pressure and the amount of money they could possibly receive if they slipped a note or used a weapon of any sort? Uh, possibility. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't know anybody who has the audacity or the balls to even think about robbing a bank, let alone a museum of Jimmy Page's uh, telecast. Asia's it's kind of a super group. Asia. Um, they were made up of members from Yes, King Crimson, and Emerson oh, Lake yeah. and Palmer. Wow, yeah. That's right. I can't remember what Asia's hit was though. I just saw um, this on a list. Fuck, it's on. Uh, it, it's I know the final version. It's on forty-year-old version, dude. At the very end, it's not Africa. That was Toto. God damn. Yeah. Asia. God hold on, damn hold on, hold on. I know what song. Yeah, I know what song you're talking have, about. I can't sing it though. One-hit wonder. And you know, even going into other things too, like you think about like Rob Zombie, like his touring band, basically a super group. Yeah. Um. Ozzy Osbourne, Alice basically Cooper, a super. Group. I mean, yeah. yeah, you you name it. Any of these like solo artists that have these backing bands, like we've seen in, yeah, you know, Higher Gun or whatever. Like these are all they're essentially super groups at the end of the day. And actually, speaking of Rob Zombie and solo artists and whatnot, there was that VH1 show called Supergroup. Oh, that I think was I, great with Democracy or yeah. Fist or whatever. Yeah, and like I like I brought it up before during the metal uh, VH1 Rock Honors or whatever, when Kiss was on, they had that super group that was composed of Gilby Clark from Guns N' Roses, fucking Rob Zombie, Scott Ian from Anthrax, yeah, and Slash and Matt Sorum 
or Tommy Lee, yeah, Tommy Lee. And I forget who the bass player was. It might've been like Frank Bellow from Anthrax too. And they yeah. played God of Thunder. Yeah. That's, another another underground one that I'm familiar with because you mentioned uh, Scott Ian is uh, Stormtroopers of Death. Fuck yeah, um, where it had the vocalist from Nuclear Assault. I mean, that was like a that that was actually a project that wasn't really supposed to happen. It was just kind of like um, fucking uh, Scott Ian was drawing a cartoon of this guy named Sergeant D. <laughs> so during recordings for an Anthrax album, they had studio time and they went in there. Um, guy from Nuclear Assault came in and they like they recorded that first album, which was. Um, uh, Sergeant D of the SOD was like one of the first songs, and then the Milano Ma- Mar- uh, Milano Mosh, which was the guy's name from Nuclear Assault. Um, but that was cool to hear about that. Like that album was recorded so fucking quick, and then it developed like into that. That became like the hardcore sound, like Agnostic Front brewed from yeah. that. I mean, a lot of bands brewed from that sound of just what became like pretty much a joke album. Oh, the the album was called Speak English or Die. Yeah. So like that was like the huge thing. They got a lot of shit for being like almost racist. And, like Scott Ian came out like, dude, this is literally just a, a joke. joke. Like I was drawing a cartoon. Um, Stormtroopers of Death is awesome. Yeah, that that first album, regardless of its title, if it really offends people, I mean, I guess I apologize. Suck I mean, a dick. There's really nothing we can do. I mean, that's <laughs> just like it was history at the time. Um, that's just what life was like. I mean, but yeah, that album, Speak English or Die, is fucking awesome. It's so good. It's like 18 minutes long. I think it's 22 <laughs> songs. It's so awesome. You know, I'm I'm looking at the sheet here, and we got the Clive Davis movie. I'm kind of surprised that with his like rebranding of old artists who never thought to like do a super group yeah well yeah. i mean well, he did he did find velvet revolver or he signed them at oh least. he did okay yeah he yeah, signed okay. velvet revolver he was revolver okay. so i mean obviously at this point velvet revolver has x members from guns and roses and scott wyland they weren't looking for a record yeah, they label. were deciding which one they were going to take exactly yeah he, and they're probably like, the sweetest form exactly yeah. and they're probably like all right look we have we have these two singles fall to pieces and slither Let's take and see who's going to think that they're great. And Clive Davis was probably like, yo, this is the fucking shit. Excellent. So let's uh, kind of bring this down to that. Yeah, like bring this down to that general consensus piece. I think we start with Bill, go to Connor, and with myself. And I think we should pick uh, two super groups. Okay. And obviously, because you can, in that way, you can not limit it to just one. Because obviously, like if you're picking like Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Audio Slave, you can kind of get the difference in like styles and genre. But yeah, I think we just come to general consensus like two super groups you would highly recommend. Not have to be your absolute favorite, but definitely highly recommend. Um, me personally, I like Velvet Revolver a lot. I think that they're an interesting band. I think you know, I think for what they had, it was special. Yeah, you know, from the bands that all those guys came from, it was just an interesting sound, and it it was just a rocking ass album. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Audio Slave, and I feel like that's gonna be the general consensus along all of yeah, us. Yeah. Audio Slave is gonna be the best. Audio Slave for me is one. And because I just really think if you're a rock fan, you're missing out if you're not listening if you if you don't know that one hundred percent. Yeah. Um. And then my second one, I'm going to take the Breeders because Actually, you know yeah, there's a lot right. of Pixies fans out there that haven't listened to the Breeders. Yeah. And if if you like the Pixies, you're damn near guaranteed to like the damn Breeders. So if you like the Pixies, haven't listened to Breeders, go definitely. But you're going to pick the Breeders above uh, CSMY. Yeah, I, th- I think I I listen to them more. So yeah. okay. I mean. If you're an alternative rock fan, you definitely need to listen to Pod and Last Splash. Yeah. That's facts. That, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Just, album. Just as much as you need to, like, I'll take those two albums over the third and fourth Pixies albums. Yeah. Like, okay. for me, the whole Pixies, the Pixies world for the 
the shit I listen to the most is Surfer Rosa and then Come On Pilgrim and then Doolittle and then Pod and then Last Splash and then Bossa Nova and then Trompelmond. Like I listen to the Breeders shit more than the last two original lineup Pixies albums. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually going to do Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young as my first one. Um, just because like we talk about that and we talk about bands you listen to more than any of the others. And I actually listen to a lot of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young because I actually watched this uh, uh, David um, Crosby. Crosby documentary. Um, it was, he just lived a very fucking crazy life, man. Dude, it was nuts. And it was just interesting. Got me back into them. And I really listened to the live album, Four Way Street. It was fucking just such an excellent set, dude. Like They start off with Neil Young doing... Um, a Buffalo Springfield song and they move into their set like, you know, Judy blue eyes and everything like that. Um, Sweet. Yeah. The second one though, I'm going to actually pick perfect circle for obvious reasoning, but more so along the line because, uh, yeah, tools like the new Metallica. Yeah. Well, listen, dude, I, I didn't even say the band. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm picking it for the obvious reason because that first album, Meredith and Oms, like, um, between that song, the song Judith is just, uh, it's so fucking good. It's heavy. It's got a toned down version. And then Three Libras, obviously. Ah, that's a great song. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's such a good album. And it, it's a, it's a takeaway from like, you get to see the influence of like the Smashing Pumpkins and you get to see the influence. James of, like, Eha is a fucking super underrated guitar. Unbelievable. He's unbelievable. Troy Van Lewin too. Huh? Troy Van Lewin. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Extremely good. James Eha, though, like he gets zero credit. And, Billy yeah, Gordon, and if you listen Billy Gordon yeah, if gets you, all the guitar credit. Yeah, if you really like, listen why, to fucking why you think they sounded like shit all these years when they didn't have James exactly, Eha. Exactly, dude. They <laughs> yeah, didn't have James Eha. Exactly. And I hundred percent agree with that. And I actually think I was gonna actually mention that. That's like the turning point for that band. Is like you get to not to say that Tool is not as, as talented, um, but I think Perfect Circle was more talented for like a commercial sense. Like I honestly could have seen Perfect Circle off that first album having more tool. hits. Yeah. Like as yeah. you know, if depending on how it went. Um, do they still do Perfect Circles? Oh yeah, yeah. He tours immensely with them. He puts Maynard actually put two on hold for such a period of time because that's what was happening. He was touring with Perfect Circle. They released a new album, The Elephant Eats, or some shit like last year, or the year before. Did you like it? Fucking horrible. Really, yeah, it's horrible. I mean, thirteen was James Eha on it. Now thirteen. Now? now thirteen step is pretty good. Um, but Meredith Noms is just it's a great album front to back. I enjoy it. So yeah, those are the two. I'm gonna really hone in on here. You guys remember me probably saying that I saw Smash Bumpkins like four or five months yes. ago, and mm. he was for me the the definitely the uh, highlight of the show. Was yeah. watching him play guitar, yeah, you that specifically, yeah, yeah. You ridiculous. showed me the live videos. He's Excellent, mm -hmm. he's, he's very doing good. shit that m most people could sit there and practice for a long time and not be able to do. Yep, yep. and it's not. It doesn't look like he's not shredding or anything. He's just got a weird different style yeah it just comes naturally to, to him yeah yeah all right well a general consensus is audio slave is most likely one yeah, of the best super groups ever yeah i totally agree with that i mean tell us what you think if you don't agree with us get us on our social medias at facebook.com slash retm podcast on our instagram and twitter at retm podcast or you could bitch us out in the email at retmpodcast at gmail.com. Last week, we suggested to you guys to watch Clive Davis, the soundtrack of our lives. If you didn't watch this, I know I say this a lot, but if you didn't watch this film, you're missing out. It was extremely, extremely informative. There's a lot of things in there that you 
did, may or may not have realized that Clive Davis has had a part in. And he's resp- his record label is responsible for the album of one of my favorite movies of all time. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it just seems like every time like I do something, it's like somehow Ghostbusters is in it. But... Yeah. <laughs> But regardless, um, basically the life and legacy of Clive Davis starting from, you know, the 60s on up until today, all the bands and, you know, artists that he has discovered, his close relationship with Whitney Houston, uh, Aretha Franklin, uh, pretty much you name it, he's he's been there. In my opinion, I think he is probably one of the probably one of the most important figures in rock music history uh i mean i think he got kind of lucky what me watching it like yeah he's definitely obviously not without talent that would be ridiculous to say he definitely has a decent ear like but um like i was saying to you earlier like if someone presents you with and says you need to go check this band out and it's fucking big brother and the holding company yeah you know what i mean like you'd have to be an idiot to not be like yeah this is cutting edge in the 60s exactly and people might like this and buy it you yeah. know what i mean um aretha franklin saying uh yeah he was i'll give him a little bit more credit for the dion harwick and aretha yeah. franklin stuff because he at least um he at least had to kind of think there, like, will they still be relevant? Has their time passed? Are exactly. they able to be brought back? The biggest and one was Barry Manilow. Yeah, yeah, Barry Manilow, well, man. I didn't realize he was that old. I thought he was like a 90s figure. Yeah, I didn't realize he was that old either. I mean, it's funny, too, because he went in there like, listen, I'm a songwriter. I'm a composer. This is what I do. I think I got him mixed up with Michael Bolton. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fucking fudge packer, yeah, Michael I'm Bolton. <laughs> you can just call me Mike. <laughs> Office space. Yeah. But, yeah, I just thought it was funny because he's like, you know, I know that you're all these things, but here's this song. Here's another song. Trust me on this. And he built a career. It was cool how he built the Philadelphia International Records that built up like Teddy Pendergrass and the People's Choice and all that. L.A. Face. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that record label. Bad Boy Records. Yeah. Like, every dude, he's had his hand in so much shit, it's like not even funny. Again, though, it was like with Janis Joplin, like, Puffy brought him to biggie yeah and if someone's showing you biggie in 1992 or whatever and you don't like it you're you you're a fucking idiot like, yeah you know what i mean like yeah, if you if couldn't you're tell that there, that was yeah. gonna make if you couldn't tell that that could make some money in 1992 yeah. like you're you yeah, have imagine no someone brings you fucking industry. ready to die imagine you never heard ready to die before someone brought that album to you in 1992 i'd be like you'd what? have to be you have no business having any role in the music industry, even a janitor, <laughs> if you didn't think that mo- that album could make money. Like, and it did. Yeah. <laughs> but um, anyways, for the ratings Not here, as much as all eyes on me though. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rotten Tomatoes gave us a seventy eight percent. The audience score was eighty one percent. IMDb gave it a seven point four out of ten. What would you give this movie, Connor? Six point five. Really, six point five. Yeah. It was good, you, but not great for me. I'm going to say 7.0. 7.0. I mean, I'm going to be the wild card here. You're and I'm going to try and bring it up to the, the regular averages. Well, I mean, <laughs> I give think, it a 9.7. <laughs> greatest no, movie of I, all I think, time. I think a 7.5 is on par. Blows the Godfather out of the water. <laughs> I mean, I feel like this is just as good as Quincy, 
Maybe I, I don't know. Uh, I like Quincy yeah. better. I Quincy think, was really but good. But I think also Quincy is a little different because I, I enjoyed the figure of Quincy much. a little yeah. more too. Like, yeah, he's like an actual like treasure talent. Like, he's a producer. Five Davis insanely, wasn't. Yeah, he had insane music talent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was trained by Frank Sinatra and you know, you yeah. know all these other people that I think he worked with Miles Davis for a little bit. Yeah, he worked so, with like everybody. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, talented. Yeah, I guess maybe it wasn't as good as Quincy, but it was definitely within that same vein. Yeah. So I, I think a 7.5 is fine, which gives us an average of 7.0, which puts us a little below everybody else. And I mean, like I, I feel like that's fair. I feel like this is something to give it a watch because it's a decent watch. I mean, it is two hours long, but it is a decent watch. It I will say it didn't feel like two hours. No, it didn't. Yeah. It, it flew by because there was a lot of it information. It was very entertaining. Yeah. They had a lot of good interviews in there. You know, they yeah. had Simon and Garfunkel, Aretha Franklin, Whitney. uh, Whitney's mother. Yeah. Um, the list goes on. Tons of people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, it's funny, like how he broke active. tons of huge artists. Yeah. Uh, There's only a handful of artists that they mentioned that he that didn't succeed. Yeah. Like, I mean, he did. He, he brought us Janis Joplin. He brought uh, us fucking Blood, Ace of and Base, Tears, dude. Uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Moby Grape. Um the band Aerosmith um Bruce yep. Springsteen yeah. Patty Smith It's funny Jimmy Iovine was in that too Well Jimmy Iovine produced Because of the Night by Patty Smith He also produced Born to Run right? the album Yeah he oh, was wow. engineer on Born to Run that's okay. how he got his foot in the door with Because of the Night Okay um, yeah, it, everyone's all like tied in here Whitney obviously Yeah right? like he had a Probably lot of big one A lot of big signs Yeah and yeah, he was the money that fueled Bad Boy. You know, mm-hmm. he was the pipeline for that. Bad Boy being one of the one of the most successful rap music, you know, labels in American history, next to Death Row. Mm-hmm. I mean, who did Bad Boy have besides Biggie? Junior, Junior Mafia. Mafia. I mean, that was Biggie's um, like, pop. That was like his outlaws. His outlaws. <laughs> <laughs> it was Bad Boy. Bad or Boy it, had or a lot at of the people. least his. The dog pound. Yeah. Yeah. Um Bad Boy had Craig Mack. Um Lil Kim. Lil Kim. Uh God damn it. Uh none of these are touching Pac, Snoop, or L- Dre. Uh F- Faith Faith Evans. Okay. The R and B art singer. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I remember Faith Evans, yeah. Famed wife of notorious B. I. G. But um yeah, so the reviews here from uh Michael Reichstaffen from the Los Angeles Times says an eye opening, not to mention ear opening experience. John DeFore from the High Reporter says a fawning but informative primer for music lovers. I would agree with that. It was it was that. a bit reverential. Like one thing that I thought was odd too was when Whitney Houston died, Puffy's whole like speech at the Grammys was to like be like and Clive Davis is a great man. Like it seemed like he was like, Yeah, I gotta suck Clive Davis's dick every chance I get. Yeah. <laughs> So let's just uh, be uh, clear here as well that um, Bad Boy Records, not to look too ignorant on the fact that they had 8-Ball and uh, what is it? 8-Ball and MJG. They had Boys in the Hood. They had Machine Gun Kelly. Oh, uh, yeah. They had The Locks. Uh, Danity Kane, Day 26, French well, Montana. Is that Bad Boy is Machine now owned by Interscope. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, but he released oh, so four albums yeah. since yeah, 2011. Yeah, hasn't been going in years. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. These artists, like, I mean, the the most notable artists, like French Montana released four albums under Bad Boy since 2012. Yeah. Machine Gun Kelly released four albums since 2011. Bow Wow was there. He had a management deal. Fucking Bow Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to remember I the mean, turmoil it, it, that Death Row went through. Tupac yeah. died, their biggest artist. They uh, had Young Knight went to jail. Young the, John. The leader of the label. Dr. Dre left. Well, yeah, yeah then Dr. Dre was like, it's over. You remember yeah. Young yeah. Jock? Meet me in the club. It's going down. <laughs> Meet me at the mall. Yeah. It's, it's going, going down. down. And I think Dr. Dre knew he didn't have the um final say. Well, authority. He, he he really didn't have it in him to be like an Eminem or a Tupac or a Biggie who could he was just, a producer who could churn hits like exactly and be the face of the hits. Like, yeah, Dr. Was Dre too, always was a producer yeah, that had the he's ability better in to that rap. Role. Exactly. Um, so I think after Tupac died, he kind of hitched his wagon to Eminem. And yeah. Then Smart decision. They went with Shade 40 <laughs> or uh, Inter- with, uh, Aftermath. Aftermath Records. Yep. Yeah. And then Shady Aftermath and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. All right. So let's get into our personal suggestions of this week. Suggestion of the week. I'll go first. I, I never go first on these things. Go for it, Bill. You just um, my personal suggestion for this week is the song Two Weeks by the band All That Remains off their album Overcome. Um All That Remains is another one of those like like kind not really uh not really core or metal core, but they're like kind of teetering on that line. Um Two Weeks is a really, really good album. Or right, Two Weeks is a really good song, Overcome's a really good album. Um, I got Red Man second album. There is a dark side. Nice. Definitely check out Bob. You head to this. I'm <laughs> um, about to check right now to see what year it came out. I forget. I think it's. I want to say 94, but it could be 95. I actually saw a Red 94. Man 94. Yeah. I saw a music video um that Red Man had just put out a couple days ago called Smack the Shit Out of You. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Jersey Boy. Huh. It's funny. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like Newark. <laughs> yeah. Jersey City, something like that. Newark. What do you got, Steve? Uh, I'm recommending the 1972 live album released by Deep Purple. The album is made in Japan. The uh, track that I'm highly recommending off of it is track nine. It's called Speed King. Nice. All right, so our group suggestion for this week is to check out the movie Woodstock, Three Days That Defined a Generation. Um, this is, you know, for the 50th anniversary of the Woodstock Festival, organizers and attendees reminisce about one of the defining moments of the 1960s. And, um, yeah, so check it out. But until then, this is Rage Against the Mainstream signing off. Once again, I'd like to thank all of our listeners here for getting us up to the I guess the the level that we're at now and hopefully taking us up further than that. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Take me to the limit. <laughs> Shove it down their throats. Share it. Push it to Subscribe. the limit. Subscribe. <laughs> like it. Share it. Everything. You can do all this stuff on Facebook.com slash RATM podcast. Instagram and Twitter at RATM podcast. And as always, like we say every episode, if you have a band that you want to be showcased, interviewed, whatever, you want your music played on the this worldwide platform, you can email us at RATM podcast at gmail.com. 
This is Rage Against the Mainstream signing off for the evening. I'm Bill. I'm Connor. I'm Steve. Have a good night, guys. Thanks for listening.